Hi, everyone, and welcome to Focus Forward, an executive function podcast where we explore the challenges and celebrate the wins you'll experience as you change your life through working on improving your executive function skills. I'm your host, Hannah Choi. Something I find very interesting is how interconnected these EF skills are with every single aspect of our lives. We feel their effects at school, at work, and at home. If we struggle with organization, our backpacks or kitchen counters might be classified as disaster zones. If our working memory is not strong, we may forget that we have a quiz today or forget to go to the grocery store after we go to the gym. If cognitive flexibility is difficult for us, coming up with an essay topic or figuring out a different way to get to work when the car won't start might feel impossible. And what we mostly read about and hear about is how these EF skill challenges affect our academic performance or affect how we work or manage our homes and families. And something that I wanted to explore more deeply is how much of an impact executive function skills can have on our social lives. All of these EF challenges that can make aspects of school or home life hard can also really affect how easily we can make friends and our ability to maintain those friendships. To learn more, I sat down with Nadine Briggs, who is a social skills expert and also a mom of an adult son with ADHD. Nadine joined me to talk about exactly this, how social skills and executive function skills are connected and how working on them can make a huge difference in our happiness and our ability to function in the world. Life is short and it can be a lot more fun with friends. So taking the time to do a little bit here and there to improve our social skills through working on our executive function skills can make a huge difference. Ha, okay, well, this is easy for me to say as an extrovert. You might be listening to me and rolling your eyes thinking, no thanks, I'll just stay at home and snuggle with my Netflix. But hear me out, because you introverts might have a partner or kids who have more social needs than you, and this episode is packed full of really useful tips and strategies to help both ourselves and our kids find more meaningful interactions with people and hopefully make and maintain friendships that enrich our lives. Okay, so on to the show. Hi, Nadine. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. I'm Nadine Briggs. I'm CEO of Simply Social Kids, and we have a social skills program where we work with ages 8 to 28. And we have our in-person groups that are in Tingsboro, Massachusetts, but we also have an online program for people who are not in our local area. We run weekly social skills groups to help them to make friend connections and just learn how to be more social. That's great. Um, So I guess through the lens that I'm always looking through is executive function skills and maybe, you know, kids with ADHD, anxiety, um, in high functioning autism. How are those kids, um, how are the social skills of those kids impacted? That's exactly who we work with. The kids Mm. with high functioning autism, ADHD, anxiety, or just general awkwardness. They might not have a diagnosis at all. They just can't Mm. quite make friends. And they, they do struggle a lot because a lot of times they're not able to really figure out how to initiate a social interaction or they don't know how to get together with people like they want to hang out and I usually generally going to talk mostly about teenagers today I think in terms of that's that's kind of the population that is is struggling a lot with this because they're they're no longer relying on their parents Mm, to schedule their play dates for them and so it's really hard they 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 need the help, but they don't really know how to get that help and they don't know how to initiate. So what often happens with teenagers is they're just alone mm. and they and they don't know how to get get out of their own way in that in that sense. They don't know how to schedule time with other people. And some of the parents I've talked to more recently, we've had conversations about how they think that their kids are OK alone. Oh. And that's actually not true at all. They're not okay alone. They're really lonely. They just don't know how to initiate getting together with people or they might do it and it's a little bit awkward um, or they don't have anybody they even know to call or they're anxious about calling people. You know, a lot of times kids will say to me, he'll say, you know, what did you do over the weekend? And they'll say, oh, I didn't do anything. And then they'll say, you know, nobody ever calls me to Mm -hmm. do anything with them. And I'll always ask them, well, how many people did you call to do something with? And when I flip that script, they always say no one because mm. they just don't know how to really organize that and, and get that going for them and and reach out to people. And they a lot of it is they're 
their memory, like they don't think about it, they forget. Um, if I say, you know, a lot of times I'll write on the on the whiteboard at my center, I'll write, I'll text somebody on the drive home today. Mm, so it's fresh in their minds or, you know, as they don't think about it and they then they get upset that they don't have anything going on. So it's kind of this lack of of action mm -hmm. that they they struggle with. Mm. So that's a huge piece. Something that you said earlier um, makes makes me think about, like you said, uh, so up until the teenage years or maybe tweens, parents have been the, the people that have helped them set up play dates and purely just because kids don't have, little kids don't have phones. They don't have ways to, you know, to connect with their friends. So they need to use their parents. How can we, um, what are some things that we can do as parents to help kids shift from, um, from us at arranging those play dates to them arranging them? Yes, those smartphones are really helpful for that. You know, one of the things that we suggest to parents a lot is just to create like a social plan for your kid, with your kid, I should say, not for your kid. Because mm. when you create a social plan, basically you sit down with your, your teen and you say, how often would you like to see people? You know, you might have a kid on the spectrum who's fine with once a month or, mm. you know, a couple times a month might be fine. Or maybe when they do get together, it's a shorter amount of time than somebody who didn't have that diagnosis they get they do get some social fatigue sometimes so maybe it's a couple hours rather than a four hour thing and so just how often should they get together and then figure out okay well let's let's put something kind of in our minds or on the calendar of every other friday or every other weekend we're going to try to do something with people so you have that structure of in a month this is how often i'm going to see people or or maybe look at the the clubs that are offered at their middle schools and high schools and say, oh, how many of these do you think we should sign up for? And, and, and kind of get, again, getting those things on the calendar. You know, I think that's really important to, to figure that part out. How much socialization do we need? And then thinking about right, who would I socialize with? Who's, who's kind of my short list of people? A lot of times I'll take a, you just do like a circle within a circle within a circle, mm -hmm. kind of a diagram with kids I work with and say, okay, who's in that inner, inner circle? Who's in that next circle out that maybe you want to bring into your inner, inner circle and kind of create that list of people. So you have a focus of, I'm going to focus on this, this one to three people rather than, you know, 12 people oh, I love that. You know, to give it something a little more, more manageable for them to focus on those people and then figure out, well, what do they like to do? You know, how, how do we get together with them? Where do I see them most often? Am I on a sports team with them? Are they in my class? You know, are they in scouts with me? You know, what, where do I see this person? And then start to figure out how you can spend time with that person and, and share like interests with them. So kind of chunking it down into smaller pieces, just like you would do with academic stuff for executive functioning, right? Make it yeah, feel more manageable. Right. If, it's, if it's too much, if you're trying to be friends with like everybody at the lunch table rather than just the people on either side of you, that's when that anxiety can kick in. Mm. And once that happens, then they start to, act out a little bit they might either they might shut down mm. or they might get overly silly they might want to try to be really funny and humorous and really show offy kind of thing and when that happens that puts people off too and so, so when that starts to kick in <laughs> we get all sorts of things happen and so we're trying to keep them them calm and just you know think about it more in a more organized fashion and, so and they have to be more deliberate in, in those ways, I think. Yeah, right. I had never really thought about that. Um, like, <laughs> this is sounds silly, and it's switching gears a little bit to adults. But like, my husband and I have very opposite social demand needs. Like, I'm I'm very social, and he prefers to not socialize as much. And so, <clears throat> I love that idea of sitting down and kind of breaking down. Like, well, this is what I need, and this is how I can reach that, and this is what you need, and how you can reach that. So. I imagine with within families that's that that does happen a lot, but uh, between kids and parents and between siblings as well. So maybe everyone's sitting down and doing a social plan and seeing how the family plans can fulfill that need for some people, and and maybe family plans won't fulfill that need for one of the kids, and they need to have additional like additional social interaction with friends. Or I mean, you bring up a great point too because a lot of the the, the apples don't fall too far from the tree sometimes. And so you might have parents who are really not that social. Mm. And, and here you have a kid who's not that social and they don't have any more of an idea how to help their, their child with socialization because they're not particularly social people. 
And that's where, you know, obviously having a social skills coach and getting some outside help can really be beneficial yeah. because they don't know how and they don't know what's getting in their way. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. And so if their parents aren't comfortable with it themselves, then they're not going to be, it's going to be difficult for them to help help their kids. kids don't have that role model. They're not, they don't, if their parents don't have friends over for barbecues and things on the weekends, they're not seeing that. It's not going to occur to them. Should look right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not really getting that in the home. Right. You know, so they're maybe getting that at school, but it depends who they're hanging out with at school. If that's a good role model and maybe a not good role model. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. I was just talking with my niece the other day and we were asking her, um, she doesn't have any siblings and um, we were asking her how she felt about school ending. And she said um, that she was glad it was ending because, you know, it's tiring. School's tiring. She's in fifth grade. Um, But then she said, but I'm going to be lonely because I'm not going to be able to be with my friends all the time. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and and her mom is not, she is a social person, but she's not super social. So, um, I, I imagine that, uh, that it's, um, yeah, that, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say. Here, so, it's, but... so it might be a little bit on her to kind of say, hey, yeah. mom, I'd like to meet some friends at the park or right, I'd like to go to right. a, you know, an amusement park or mm-hmm. mini golf and, you know, and all those things in the summer, which are, are great ways to get together with people. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very difficult if the parent isn't that social and because I always suggest to parents to kind of think about where you might go and then invite a bunch of people to join you at that date and time. Mm. And you might go and no one shows, or you might go and maybe a few people come a park or something and just saying, we're going to, there's a park called friendship park near us and thinking about friendship. So it comes to mind, (laughs) friendship park, you know, three o'clock on Saturday, you know, who wants to come and. And you know, you hope you other kids will be there, but then you don't really have that pressure of I've asked this one person and they're yeah. going to reject me, so they can just show up at the same time. I used to do that a lot with um, my kids when they were little. Like, so we're all going to go to the movies at this time on this day. Who wants to come with us? Mm. You know, we're going to be in this. We're going to be in this row. That was before you had to really yeah, pick exactly what seats you were going right. to. You know, <laughs> but then that we would just other people would like, yeah, we'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it took a little bit of the pressure off of you know inviting an individual person and then having them reject you. Yeah, right. Oh, I love that, and I love um, what what you said about how you can use like the same skills that you use to break down academics into smaller chunks. You can apply that to social skills. So um, what are some other ways that kids can work on, maybe not work on their executive function skills, but use their emerging executive function skills to support their social skill development? Yeah. One of the the big issues is the the memory challenge. Mm, A lot of these guys don't have great memory and, and that's a problem because you think about when you socialize with somebody, let's say you're going to go to, you're going to go to the market. You're going to bump into somebody you haven't seen in several months, right away. You're going to go, your mind is going to go, okay, what do I know about this person? Mm. What, what, what do I know about their life? What is the last time I saw them? What was going on with them? And you're filtering that out. You're going, geez, what was the thing that I just, I last knew about them. And you might, have, maybe their kids studied abroad and you know to ask, oh, how was Italy or something? You'll remember those things. Kids who have that, that challenge, they don't necessarily remember those things about people. So they don't know how to find that information about that person and retrieve it and, and come up with it. And so, so a lot of times what we'll do, I mean, that, that's an, a, a random example that you're going to just bump into somebody at the market. But if you're going to get together with somebody you haven't seen in a while, spend some time deliberately thinking about what you remember about that person. Oh, Give yeah. yourself that opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to get together with Susie. What do I know about Susie? Well, Susie just got a new puppy, you know, last time I saw her. Okay, well, let's ask about the puppy, those types of things. So I think they need to think about some of that stuff before they go. Um, and then sometimes even to, to prepare them for socializing, they can put a, a few little notes in their phone in the contact mm, for that person. Oh, smart. Likes Fortnite, you know, just got yeah. a puppy, whatever information they have about that person. You know, they have to remember to put the note in the phone. Yes. So we <laughs> right. can have that challenge. Yeah. But that is a great way to have just a couple little things. I mean, I can put a big dossier on the person in your phone, but it's a couple little things about them. And then even go through like a conversation starter website. There's one that we like called Conversation HQ. Mm. And I'll say to kids, just scroll through the conversation starters on Conversation HQ. And don't 
ask them verbatim and say, where do you, where would you be five years from now or whatever <laughs> right. it is? Like look through them and find one that is something you might actually say, or maybe it triggers something that you can change it to something you'd actually say. So it's not that you're going to sit there and you basically, you know, interview the person with all these conversation starters. You're going to just kind of get ideas for what you might want to talk about. And then you use it in your own words, using your own language, so that it's more natural for you and it's something you, you'd actually say. But you have those topics in your head. Mm, I love right? that. Like, like, let's say they love nature and you know, we had a, I don't know, meteor shower the other night, which it was cloudy where I was and so no one got to see it. Yeah. And let's say that, you know, you've had that conversation with somebody. They also like space. Right. You could say, hey, did you happen to catch the meteor shower? Oh, it was cloudy near me. Did you happen to see it? Or do you think there's life on other planets? You start to get in a conversation perhaps like that. If that's something you know that they like, I wouldn't just randomly walk up to somebody and ask them, do you believe in life on other planets? But if that's your thing, you know, just start. So to go through and you might just scroll, scroll through a lot of them before you have some that are something you like. And if you think you'll forget, put a couple little notes in your phone and on, on the drive there, review some some of the notes that you have about mm, that person to help that. kind of spark those memories for them. It reminds me of like test prep, right? Like getting yeah, ready for exactly. tests, prior knowledge and, you know, like doing a little research. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, it, it actually reminds me, I remember my husband once, um, he he said to me, oh, yeah, I was just thinking um, we're getting together with so-and-so, you know, tonight or whatever. And so he was he was trying to remember, like, what sports teams um, that that person liked. And he was um, reading up on the uh, articles about um, the those teams. Oh yeah, I guess he was. Yeah, it helps because yeah. then you're, then you feel less anxious and you might not end up even talking about sports, but that helps your anxiety. Yeah. Kind of you're in check. You feel more prepared that you, right. I mean, I believe in do that. I'm a very social person. I'm a lot, my, my husband and I are a lot like okay. you and your husband. I'm the social one. Yeah. Like, you just saw people. Do you really need to see people yes. again? Yes, like, I, yes do. I do. <laughs> you know, but I'll even do that if I'm going to go to a barbecue where maybe I only know the people hosting it and I, I might know of the other people. Yeah. I haven't seen them in a while uh -huh. or, or I know them, but I'm not really friends with them. And we're just more acquaintances. You know, I will do the same thing and start to think, what do I know about that person? What is the last time I saw them? What are some things I might be able to talk to that person about and prepare myself so that I don't feel uncomfortable going to a place where I don't really know that many people. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty good strategy. And for for kids with executive functioning challenges, I think that it calms their anxiety and it prepares them with some topics and they can even make some notes in their phone and just go to the bathroom and review them. Don't like, oh, well, let me look up my notes on you, which some kids might do. Um, kids I work with, you have to tell them to not necessarily yeah. do it verbatim or right, they will, right. they're or a they little will. bit black and white in their thinking and a little bit literal. Mm. So you have to tell them. You just when you just go to the bathroom and take a look at your notes in there. Don't do it in front of the person. Yeah. Believe it or not, that's one of the things we need to do is just connect those dots that are obvious to other people aren't necessarily obvious to the people that we work with. So we have to say things that aren't normally said out loud, like things yeah. like that. Right, right. But how wonderful that you're that you're teaching the kids that. And because if if they're if they don't have anyone in their life that either feels comfortable telling them that or it just doesn't they just don't know to tell them that, then um then that's that's so great. And I'm sure that they feel comfortable with you telling them that because you've created a safe space and and they're you know, they're that that relationship with the kid is really important because we're, yeah. we are the ones if they tell a joke that's not funny, uh, you know, we're not going to do the polite laugh. Yeah. And, and that's what most people will do is it's my job to not do the polite laugh oh, and to tell you why so that joke isn't funny, because right. most people will do that, especially if they're feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, they you know, the social norm is to to just laugh a little bit and hope they stop talking about the thing that's, you know, that's creepy or whatever the topic is that they're talking about. And, you know, it's it's our job to say that's not a great thing to talk about with your friends. And so you do have to have a good relationship with somebody before you can be that brutally honest with them. Yeah. Right. And, and then they know what the role is too. They know that all our goal is, is to help them make those connections so they can have those deep, meaningful friendships and not mm -hmm. be lonely anymore. Yeah. And so once they know that, and that's what our motivation is and they, they take it really well. I mean, they're great about it. Then they, they do apply it to their lives. Sometimes they need to be reminded because they, they do have difficulty sometimes taking it on themselves, taking mm -hmm. that responsibility. 
yeah. for, for what they do. Right. And so a lot of times we'll preface it by saying, are you ready to take what I'm about to tell you and apply it to your own life? Oh, and sometimes if we just prime them with yeah. that, then you get that buy-in. Yes, I'm about to take what you say and apply it to my own life. Yeah. Then that then they're ready to receive what you're saying and, and really take it in. And, yeah. and sometimes that's needed for some kids. And we do that with coaching too, right? Like you like you always just have to meet someone where they are and you have to find out like like are you ready for this? Is this yeah, is this something that like you said, are you ready to take it on? So right. how can so so your, you know, your, um, the social skills work that you do with your, um, clients happens like, like they take that with them home and they practice it, practice it at home. I'm sure. How can parents support their kids that are, that might be socially awkward and might need to be working on these skills? Yeah. And they practice it in our program too, which I think is a big piece of it because we coach them in the moment. So we mm-hmm. teach them and then they get to, they hang out with other people their mm-hmm. age. So they practice it there. So for parents, you know, there's an education for a lot of them. If they're if they're naturally social, they're probably already coaching mm. their kids quite well because they know how to be social. If they're not, though, and they tend to be a little bit awkward, I either leave it to the professionals <laughs> or or study up on it. There's a lot of really great books. There's a lot of you know good podcasts and there's different resources and and take that on as something that they need to educate themselves on. And they might need to look at all the different types of things that we would coach on, like conversation skills, flexibility, you know, perspective taking, not trying to control what other people do. That's a biggie. And all the different pieces that go into socialization and figure out what are the things that your their kids struggle with the most and then study those things mm. and help them with those things. Because again, trying to tackle everything at once is really hard. Social skills is vast. There are so many different pieces to socialization. Um, and we coach on social skills, but also resiliency. And that's a whole other big topic of that. But I think they need that as well, because they do get some level of rejection in their lives, and they yeah. need to be able to bounce back from that. Um, but they have to study up on it and then help them apply it to their own lives and even have them apply, have the parent become more social too. Yeah, it pro- might even help and might help them, <laughs> it might help the parents. Well, it's funny, we have a parent support group that we run for people who are enrolled in our program. They're welcome to come on every week for an hour. And we've had people come on who make friends with other people as parents. And I had had, I had one day I had this, this dad come sit at my desk and the nicest, funniest dad. He's such a great guy. I mean, of all the people you want to be friends with, you'd want to go out and have a beer with this guy. He's just that person. And he sat at my desk and he said, Nadine, I got to tell you, I don't have any friends. Oh, and it it broke my heart yeah. of all the people in my program of all the parents who would have friends it would be this guy wow and he's like i feel i feel jealous of my wife she's got friends from college and they go out every friday night and and i sit home and you know my kid's a teenager and he's home he's in his room and every, he doesn't talk to me and i'm sitting there by myself and you know we talked about how he could get out and you know, join like um you know the lions club or kiwanis or get involved in community service and and get himself out there to meet people and yeah. socialize too yeah. which is also going to give you know more of a role model for his kid who who needed that so right. um huh so was he able yeah. to he did. He oh, did join yay. and he actually became friends with another dad Aww. in our program. So oh, we had a, before the pandemic we had a parent waiting room where they were able to socialize and that was good for the parents to make friends with each other. Uh, yeah. Um, and actually what used to happen then too is I would go back and I would tell them what we did in the group, how, the lesson that we taught to all of the parents and they would talk about it themselves. Now we have to write a summary because I'm not mm-hmm. allowing as many people in the building, but yeah. they still they get the lessons that we do um, in person that we tell them what we did and what we coached on. So then they can carry that forward Mm -hmm. with their kids and they're using the same language and all of that because they have it all in a written report every week. Yeah. Um, So something you said earlier makes me realize, but it really is so clear how connected um, executive function skills are to social skills, like the perspective taking and cognitive flexibility and emotional regulation. Those are really, really tied together. So I guess I guess when kids are practicing working on their social skills, they are going to naturally end up working on executive function skills. And do you think the reverse happens? Like when kids work specifically on executive function skills, maybe in school or with a coach, like if they're in executive function coaching, Mm -hmm. do you think then it then has a positive impact on their social skills? I absolutely do. Because think about just even just taking like task initiation. 
one of the biggest struggles with the kids that I work with is just going over to somebody and starting a conversation. Yeah, right. They, they don't know how to do that. Huh. And so they, they tend not to do that. And even getting together, like I said, you know, here comes summer with all this fun stuff to do. Let's say they all want to go to like an amusement park, you know, being able to kind of figure out all the details around that and get that off the ground. So they actually go and it actually happens. You know, they're, they're using all kinds of executive functioning skills for that. Some of the kids I work with, I I actually have a, an event planner that I give them. It's like this one pager and it's like our parents involved. Well, how much time is going to be needed? Who's going to drive? Who am I inviting? Here's the website. What do you do if there's rain? You know, is there a plan B like all of these details in an event planner. And again, I have to say to them, you use the event planner with your parents you don't tell your friends that you mm, used an event planner right. to figure out how to go to amusement park. Yeah. Um, but those things are really, really very helpful to them because those are the details that they have a lot of trouble with. Um, they don't know how to do all of that and, and figure out a day and a time. And the, right. especially when parents are involved and you're going to have a big group that goes, all of those things are really difficult for them. But yes, I think they, they learn. And, and as you know, as kids get older, and they do start to learn and they practice those executive functioning skills. It gets better as they get older. Right. Yes. And, and I, I see that with my own son. He's 22 now. He's almost 23 and he has ADHD. And for sure, his executive functioning has gotten much, much better as a young man yeah. than it was certainly when he was a teenager in middle school. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of those. And academically. Yeah, all of those, um, all of those more advanced um, executive function skills are really just starting to emerge at the same time that kids are starting to crave that independence and wanting to be fr- have friends and, and interact outside of their parents. So that's mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting crossover time where they, they're lo- they're craving that independence, but they're also s- not really consistent yet with all of those executive functions. Right, and teenagers get can get really upset if parents try to help them with their executive functions. Yeah. You know, that's something about it. That's very triggering. Right. I was actually just going to say that what I love about that event planner is that it, um, it gets the parent out of it. Um, so that, that, um, we see this a lot, like, and, and actually when I was in my conversation with Fran, we were talking about how, when you can, get yourself out of an executive function or a social skills uh, challenge, like a friction, um, then it can help your relationship with your child. And it also gives your kid such a great opportunity to really develop those things independently and practice those skills independently. But the event planner worksheet has all the things that they really need to be considering to -hmm. have a safe and fun experience um, that and those are all the things that a parent would say, like don't forget this, don't forget that, don't forget this, mm-hmm. don't forget that. But then the parent doesn't have to because the event planner. Maybe the parent just has to remind the ch- the their kid to use the event planner, but they don't have to say like, well, you know, what are all the details? So exactly, I love that. yeah. And they're gonna forget them anyway, even if they did work. Right. Them out. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be written down. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I would love to work on that. Um, you know, like use, like, I'm just thinking about like coaching, like how, how, what an awesome activity to do in a, an executive function coaching session is to work on an event planning activity because mm-hmm. yeah, you oh, don't have to just work one-on-one with, they, they bent all their friends benefit greatly from that yeah. time because I'm <laughs> right. putting together all these events i'm doing the apple picking and the go visit the the castle and you know in the there's one young woman that i work with and like her friends had it made because they were they were doing all kinds of stuff they were going to boston and they were shopping and bebopping around faneuil hall and it was because i'm like i'm on the other end you know with that event planner and say mom dad can they do this you know and and the, and the other friends are just getting invited they're like this is great to do anything. I love that. And then and then the the child who's who's arranging it gets such satisfaction out of seeing all her friends having fun and mm-hmm. and having have, like I made this happen. I I did this. Someone who like I, I bet there's a ton of a ton of opportunities for them to see evidence, like to look back on like a year ago, I I could not have done this. And now mm-hmm. I'm going to Faneuil Hall with my girlfriends. Well, and the thing about that too is those experiences are so important because those are the bonding things, yeah. right? Like when, when you're, I was talking to a family last night, they live out in like the Chicago area and I'm working with their, their 
15. And it's like, you know, when you, let's say you have an ice cream social at your house, right? And you have, you know, you have chocolate and vanilla and you got all these different things. When the kids start throwing marshmallows at each other and, and they're, and they're, they're belly laughing over like what well, somebody got hit in the eye and all those little <laughs> things that happen when you, when you create those moments yeah. and that's that bonding stuff. I always say, if you belly laugh with somebody, you're pretty much going to be friends for life. Yes. So <laughs> that is a great those, quote. <laughs> those experiences where you had a little food fight and it was harmless and maybe one, you know, fell under something and we had an ant problem six months later and mom got all upset. That was totally like, worth it. <laughs> Teenagers love that stuff. Yeah. And so then they then they remember that or they see a marshmallow and they'll hold it up and go, remember this, you know, and then all of a sudden they're all laughing again. Yeah. So it's that's the stuff that really bonds them oh. in that meaningful way, those types of things. And that's why it's so important to create those moments in, or have them create the moments eventually if oh, they're yeah. old enough to do it and they have the executive functioning skills to do it. So that stuff happens for them because that's that's the bonding stuff that's what creates lifelong friendships, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of something that my sister was telling me that she heard about was like, there's like three types of fun, like um, type one fun, which is, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get them wrong. But one of the, one of the funs is where you end up in like a, a flow state where you, you like lose track of time, you don't notice the passage of time and you're belly laughing and you're just like totally in it and having so much fun. And I, and I think that's probably where like, not inside jokes come from, but, um, you know, like just shared these like shared common experiences that, that kids, mm -hmm. like, like you said, like they find a marshmallow and everyone bursts out laughing, just seeing a marshmallow. And from an outsider perspective, you're like, what's so funny about a marshmallow? Right. But, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the bonding stuff. Those are, uh, those are the, those are the really precious moments. Yeah. yeah. And so if you, if you, if it's, if it's challenging for you to get into so to, to create those social opportunities for you, then you're not Then you're going to miss out on that. So, mm -hmm. oh, I love that. What good work you're doing. That's Thank so you. wonderful. It's so oh. much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun with the kids. So I have like, I'm going to just kind of repeating myself, but I'm just thinking about as a coach for executive function skills, a lot of the work that our coaches do is on academics because, you know, that's what kids spend a lot of their time doing. Um, but then when we move into the summer months, it's a great opportunity to work on other things. So like that event planner is um, a good idea. Do you have any other ideas that that kids could work on during the summer? Yeah, that... I like things like socializing. I, I like things that are out in the community mm. because you can go to the thing and you can leave when you're ready to leave. Ah. When you're when you're at someone's house, um, there's pressure to you need to make sure you have enough that entertains that person. And there's going to be a drop off and a pickup time that's going to be set. And what if you're done and there's 45 minutes left of your time? That can feel awkward and uncomfortable. And so you don't want to have negative social experiences. You want to have positive social experiences. So like at my center, there's actually a ice cream stand that's one mile down the road. And I say to kids all the time, my teen groups is like, and to their parents, like bring extra five bucks and go get an ice cream at this place. It's a mile down the road. And I know there's kids who go every time, every single week after group, they go with their Aww. parents. But that way you go, you have an ice cream, you're there for half an hour, you maybe you socialize for a bit, or maybe you're there longer if you're having a good conversation. It's up to you at that point. And you leave when you're ready to leave. Oh, that's great. So those, and then anytime that you're doing something that you're, you, you have that as the conversation topic. So you're going to an amusement park and you can talk about your favorite rides and things you like, things you don't like. What are you going to get for lunch? What prizes do you want to try to win? There's all these, these points of conversation that you can have when you do that. Or if, even if you go bowling or mini golf or anything like that, bumper boats, those types of things that are available in the summer, then, then you can talk about the golfing, right? Oh, look at that shot. Oh, I can't believe I got in the water that time. And you, you, you have those things to help them to connect and bond over. It's a lot harder when you're just someone's at your house and you're, you have to have conversation with them the whole time. And you've got to find things that entertain them the whole time is a lot more pressure. Yeah. That's so interesting. You know, even for adults, you think about, you go out with like another couple and you sit there at dinner. Yeah. You have to talk and have yeah topics for that whole time whole that you're dinner. at that dinner. Right. So if you're going to dinner with somebody new, 
you might be a little anxious because you're like, oh gosh, what if we run out of stuff to say before the check comes? Right, right. Maybe just drinks. (laughs) Exactly. I go for apps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So in our basement, um, we, when we, we refinished our basement and um, when the kids were little, we were trying to decide what to do with the space. And, and I said, we're, we're saying, let's just leave it open. And so we have like, um, like a big beanbag and we have swings that hang from the um, the joists and just like a lot of like gross motor fun things. And so when my, my friends have kids over and I can tell they're like, it's kind of like, they're not really sure what to do. Oh, I say, go downstairs and play, you know, if they haven't already gone down. And, and it's fun to like have just something to be silly with. Um, so I imagine, you know, like going to the park or I don't know, like going for a walk or something where you're being physical is mm-hmm. um, can kind of give you something to do with your well, body while this, you're trying to this talk. This air hockey table that at our center is enormous because when think about this awkward teenage boy, let's say he's 14 and he walks in, he's anxious. He's socially awkward. He doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know any of the staff. He doesn't know any of the kids. And he walks into a room with like 10 other kids. Oh, Wow. That's a, that's an ask. Yeah. That's a big ask. That is. But when they walk in, I mean, obviously we're there to greet them and everything, but one of the things I love them to do is just start playing air hockey. That's great. Because then you're actively engaged in a, a social, you know, t- uh, item basically yep. or game, Yeah. but you don't really have to talk. Yeah. And it's one-on-one. Can, it's <laughs> one-on-one or it's yeah. two-on-two. And, yeah. Oh yeah. And right. You can, and you can talk about the yeah. shot. You can yeah. talk about, Hey, that good shot, you know, or, Oh, I almost got that one in. And, and you, then you already have that conversation starter right there, mm-hmm. but you're engaged without just standing there awkwardly waiting for somebody to come talk to you. Yeah. You know, it, it's such a nice way to break in. Now I do have to watch that table to make sure they don't stay at the table week after mm. week. There are some kids will do that. And I have to say, I need you to branch out from the table and yeah. you know, go do something Time else. Time to try but something that's else. A whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we watch it. But it's a great way for them to start because they're, again, they're busy, they're engaged, they're socializing, but they don't have to say too much yet. Oh, that's great. So that makes that leads into a really good question that I have for you is where do you start? Like, if, like, where's a great place to start for someone who is struggling socially? Well, like I said, I would start with that plan, that social plan. Mm-hmm. And I would figure out what are what are their biggest hangups for socialization? Is is it anxiety? Is it conversation skills? Is it that they don't they'll have access to people that they would be friends with? Do you need to go join scouts or a youth group or you know get yourself out there in some other way? So kind of narrow down what is it we need? Do we need to work on anxiety? Do we conversation skills? Do we need to find your people? And and narrow down that way and start start that way and and you know the lowest lowest hanging fruit you know yeah. who are who are your people and let's go find them and then start start to ingratiate ourselves to those people you know it kind of depends on the kid there are some kids who who don't even realize even as teenagers that they need to put themselves physically near someone else mm. even in my center I'll have a bunch of kids playing air hockey and they're all watching the air hockey and one kid on the other side of the room hmm. He doesn't necessarily understand that the yeah. signal you're giving is that mm-hmm. you don't want to really be friends with people right. when really it's your anxiety. Just right. stand with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Put your body there and, and be in that group. You know, those types of things. So that's that's where I would start is just to kind of break down where do we think the biggest issue is. And then if they need social coaching and they need an intervention of some sort to seek that out. I think this summer you know, we're, we're crazy busy this summer, I think, because it, it is such a good time to get people kind of caught up, mm. you know, from the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people felt like they lost a couple of years. And yeah, so this is an sure. opportunity for them to just focus on these skills and, you know, things that they might not have been able to work on for the last couple and, and get ready for the next school year. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they're not able to do it, if the parent is kind of lost and they don't know how to narrow down that list of friends and figure out where the problem spots are and either study it up on their own or get some outside help to do better with those areas that are making it difficult for them, um, you know, get help to do that so that their kids are moving forward, particularly teenagers. Um, teenagers developmentally start to separate from their parents from at about age 11-ish so that they can eventually leave the nest yeah, when they're right. after high school. And when they start to separate from parents, they need to be able to latch on to peers. Mm. And if they don't have that peer group, they're they're just kind of floating out there yeah. without being tethered to right, anything. Right. And that that's what that 
concerns me because they do need tethering to other teens mm -hmm. and they need to find that place where they're okay, they're accepted, they're, they belong. So it's really important for parents to find that. Um, otherwise, they're very unsettled. And, and you might even find that they, they don't want to pursue anything outside of high school. They want to stay home. And we don't, we don't want to have that basement of yours be used for a 35-year-old. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> so right. it's, you, want, you want that separation. You know? yeah. and, and so you have to help that happen because developmentally, they, they really crave and need that to be able to become a functional adult. Yeah. So it's, it's critically so important that they right. find that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, and it can be really difficult if somebody has super unique interests and all these other things. So you really have to help them find their way one way or the other. If they can't do it, get outside help to help them do it. Yeah. And I imagine as parents, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to, to let your kid, you know, start to move away from you and out into the world um, when, when you, when you're confident about your child's social skills. So I imagine that, um, that for parents whose kids do struggle with social skills, it is even harder to, to, um, to support that or allow that to happen. And to, it's almost like you're like pushing them out of the nest, but. Well, and I always say prepare them for whatever their next big phase is. Mm. So if they're, if they're in elementary school, you're preparing them for middle school. Mm. You're in middle school, you're preparing for high school. When you're in high school, you're preparing for whatever's after high school. And if, if after high school is college for you, you have to be ready to live in a dorm. Mm. And and so when you think unless you're going to commute or whatever, if you're going to live in that dorm, you're going to be just a few feet away from some other person you don't know. And you might even be in a forced triple in a little tiny room. Yeah. That's a lot of socialization and, and connectedness to other people that you may or may not do well at. And so th that can really affect kind of how you are over your overall well-being if you're not able to do well in those settings. So. I always look at if you're in middle school and you're super socially awkward, let's get on it now mm -hmm. and get you ready for, you know, if you if you think you're a college bound person or even if you're not, you're even in the military, they live in close quarters. If you're working with people, you decide to go to trade school and you're going to work, you know, in a job, you, know, you need to still be able to get along with people. Right. You know, and even in your first jobs, you know, when you're old enough to work, a lot of times your boss is maybe a power hungry teenager. That's right. You're not necessarily going to have some 40 year old seasoned manager who right. knows how to handle you, right? You're, yeah. you're going to get somebody who's maybe not that great at managing people and in their own communication skills around your employment. Yeah. You know, those are all challenges they need to be ready for. So it, it is really important uh, to get on all of these, these soft skills as best we can or as early as possible yeah, so that they feel right. more competent. Yeah, those transitions are huge and i and i think it's it it can be difficult f to be that forward thinking when you're in the middle of you know the 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 difficulty of high school or the you know the 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 challenges of middle school it can be hard it can be hard to be so forward thinking and mm -hmm. but it sure does help if you're able to i know that's something that we coaches work a lot a lot on is like the transition transitions yeah transition from from school to work or from school to college and working on all the associated executive function skills that come with that. And it turns out there's Keeping a whole bunch of social down, skills too. Yeah. You know, finding, finding your voice, finding your confidence, you know, if someone says something to you, being able to kind of report back or say something back to them that feels comfortable to you. And, and those types of things are important. Like I bet one of the young women I work with, she's super shy and people will say things like, oh, I can't believe she talked, you know, and I tell her, say, yeah, I did. You know, just like, of course I did. Of you course like, I did. That. Like, yeah, you bet I did. Yeah. You know, but to get her from, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that to, yeah, I did is a journey, you know, and, yeah. and, but they eventually, but by the time they're done with high school, we want them to be in the, yeah, I did. And yeah, I am, you know, the, here I am world, you know, yeah. are you ready for me and have that kind of confidence in themselves. And that, that takes time to build that up if they don't have that now. And so it's a, it's a process to get mm -hmm. there. And it takes a lot of being brave and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and trying new things, which is super scary. And, and I'm sure that the kids that come to you are so grateful for, for what you do and the parents of the kids too, because it is so scary to, to try new things and to have a coach or, you know, some kind of support person 
along with for the ride is yeah we need to have the resiliency is huge the resiliency is huge you you need to be able to 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 work through these things and if they don't go your way yeah you need to be able to find the silver linings on things yeah goal directed persistence gotta stick with it you do you do and 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 it's all you got to train your brain to think that way Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of things we do to teach them that how to do those exercises to get your brain in the right frame of mind around all of this yeah oh it's it's, uh it's just i i just wish that i could give every child all of the things that they need you know i wish that every child could every parent could know about you know these kind of support and and get access to them and it's it's wonderful to be able to do that agreed you try to get the word out there as best you can you know shout it from the rooftops and hope that they hear you you know because it is so important and it's it's life-changing stuff and you know there there should be a focus on academics i know there are is a big focus on academics but this other stuff is just so 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 important too yeah and and Um, it's not enough to be smart you need to have these other skills Mm -hmm. as well I do think that there is more um, t- more conversation about it these days, and like we were talking before we got on um, about, you know, the pandemic has created more um, opportunities to talk about challenges that people have, and more um, people are more open to being flexible. So um, I guess that's one good benefit about <laughs> side benefit of the pandemic is allowing these conversations to happen more. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I I tend to be more of an optimistic person. I look at the silver lining of things. And honestly, with the pandemic, we went online. Yeah. And and had we not, I mean, we serve kids from, you know, 11 different states and on and off we get kids from Canada. Yeah, wow. And and they make friends. You know, we have a kid in Florida who's friends with a kid in Long Island. And, and, you know, and that never would have happened before. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at those things as difficult as creating a whole new program online was, you know, when it it worked in the end. I mean, there were some bumps that so we had to figure things out, but you know, you've got to look at the silver lining of things, no matter what you're faced with and, and focus your brain on the things that are going well versus the things that don't go well. And what a and great attitude to go in. into learning social skills with, you know, mm-hmm. you can look for the little tiny thing, little tiny win that you had that, you know, that you weren't able to do yesterday. I said hi to somebody and yesterday I couldn't even look at them. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's great. So what are you excited about or looking forward to in the field of social skills development for kids? I am really excited that um, in the social skills development, that there is a really big movement um, on teaching the resiliency piece of, it, of mm. things. I think that's a really big missing element to it. But what it what it is, it's more with just kind of building the the muscles in your mind that are are focused on things that are going well versus the things that are not going well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like if you're think if you're focusing on the, the woe is me all the time, though that's the the firings in your brain that are gonna they're gonna solidify for you. If you're thinking about the things that go well, those are gonna be the things in yeah. your brain that get the most strength. It's kind right. of like going to the gym and lifting weights, right? Yeah. You you want to lift your optimism weights mm. and not your, your negative weights. I like that. Pessimism weights. Yeah. And so we do that with kids all the time. And like, if I hear from a, from a parent, so another example, um, I have this one kid whose parent will email me and say, oh my gosh, the change in my kid. I hear him when we carpool with other people making conversation now in the back seat with the kid, rather than it just being quiet the whole ride. The next time I see that kid, I'll go, I heard you're a rock star on those carpooling trips and that you are now making conversation with people where you didn't used to make conversation before. And I'm really impressed by that. So by saying that to him, he's all like, oh, wow. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, she's reinforcing what I'm doing. I'm really taking what she taught me and doing it. She sees me and that encourages him to do it even more. All not right. to mention the fact that he's made a connection with that person. So it's, it's all that kind of stuff. Like I'll say things to kids, like I'm really impressed by you, or I like the way you think. Mm-hmm. people never get told they like the way they think yeah they right, think. right so there's little there's little phrases and things like that 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 are that just embedded into the into how we interact with people we do things with kids we have these things called i can cans and and basically like i'll take like a crystal light container that has those those packets mm. in it you know that plastic container when it's all gone and we'll put like colorful paper around it and just say i can on it 
And, and so those are a nice little tool for parents to use in their homes this is probably from a little bit younger kids than teenagers, but just, you know, the things that you can do, like, you know, I can do this. Like, I know I can get my homework done on mm. time, or I can be a good friend to somebody who's sad. Mm. And when they see evidence of the things they're doing well, right, you put the little note, you can do this and you put it in the can. And it's like, it's kind of like never giving an empty compliment to somebody. Yeah. You're saying right. like, oh, you're such a nice person. No, you're such a nice person because, because when I saw yeah. this kid struggling with how to play that game, you pulled uh-huh. him aside and you explained it to him with a lot of patience. Now that that's a, that's a loaded compliment where I'm telling this person exactly why I'm saying they're a good friend. I'm not just saying it because I want to say something nice. I'm saying it because I mean it. And here's the evidence that I saw that shows me what a good friend you were to that person. And so that that's the power of, of that sort of thing is like, you're, you're not just, you're not just blown fluff at somebody, you know, you do have an evidence based reason for saying what you're saying yeah. to them. And I think that's really powerful for them because they can really latch onto that and it doesn't feel like fluff to them. It feels really meaningful. And then you're going to get more of the same from that person because it was acknowledged right. in a really positive way. Right. Right. Oh, that's so great. Well, I hope that it that continues to be used in in schools and different environments where kids are over the coming years. And I think that's the challenge. Schools are overwhelmed. Yeah. So when you say, Oh, let's bring in, you know, positive education yeah. and resiliency training yeah. and well being, it that that's the challenge yeah, right now, I think, hard. to the to the people who are really interested in spreading the word about this stuff. Um, that's, that's the challenge is that it, it almost needs to come from the, the children. Up. Yeah. Huh. And, and I think that's, that's programs like mine where we're teaching it and then they are showing other people the power of it. You're like a little army of optimists out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, that's something that, um, I, I've talked about on the podcast before and just something that, um, you know, as a coach, I try like my, my ultimate goal is that my clients will go out and into the world and, you know, share what they've learned in their coaching sessions and, and help others with their own executive function mm-hmm. skill development. So it's the, yeah, same idea. And I'm sure that, you know, just like we as parents model things for our kids, our, our kids can model, model for their friends. So. And sometimes for their parents. And yes, that's right. Yeah. Right. I have a six-year-old who is, who sometimes will social coach his mom. It's yeah. great. I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much. This has just been fascinating. I well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, where can our listeners find out about you and, and your program is available worldwide sounds like so yes, yes. share where yes. share where people can find you yeah simply socialkids.com is the website and usually what we do is an intake for for new families so we can determine if the program is a good fit for their child or their teen or their young adult and then we do free trials so we will set them up for a free trial and they can take it for a spin see what they think of it and then if they're interested they can enroll oh, that's great Oh, good. Well, best of luck to you. And, and I'm sure there's, like you said, an army of kids out there that are spreading the, <laughs> spreading the, the good social skills that they've learned from you. Let's, so. let's hope so. That's, yes. that's, yes. The goal. that's the goal. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for talking with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. And that's our show for today. I really hope that you found something useful in my conversation with Nadine, and hopefully you learned something that will empower you or your kids to enrich your social lives. I'm truly so glad you're here and that you took time out of your day to listen. If you are enjoying learning about these important topics that we cover in each episode of Focus Forward, please share our podcast with all those new friends you're going to make. And be sure to check out the show notes for this episode on our website. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast at beyondbooksmart.com slash podcast. We'll let you know when new episodes drop and you can easily find the resources that we share on each topic. Thanks for listening.